Welcome to the Made for Mondays podcast, where each week we talk about how to be love in our day-to-day lives. Now, here are your hosts, Executive Director at Believer's Church, Heather Carl, and Senior Pastor of Believer's Church, James Stewart. Hi there, I'm Heather, and who are you, fella? Hi, Heather, this is Jamie. Happy Easter to you. Wow. This has been the craziest Easter season ever. I'm so glad we didn't cancel Easter. <laughs> if you don't know what she's talking about, tune into last week's episode. There was right. a whole long discussion around yeah. not really canceling Easter, rescheduling. Postponing Postponing, Easter. yeah. It moves around anyway. Yeah. yeah. Just put it on a different, different place on the calendar. Nope. All right, nope. never mind. All right. Um, so I love what is coming out of this pandemic. I've said it a couple of times, I think, already. But just this idea that all these churches are doing the same thing at the same time. I mean, we know that from Sunday to Sunday. We're not the only church that's having services. But there's just something in this season right now that um, it's, it feels like more of a reality. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about kind of what we did here at Believers for our Easter services. But um, before we get to that, I want to say a couple of things that are also coming up. We're going to be having one of my very favorite people on the planet, Rochelle Cheeks, is going to be joining us. Rochelle? Yes. Wow. Aren't you excited about that? Super excited. Me too. She's going to tell us all about the Corona Kindness Challenge um, and some other fabulous things that are happening in the world of outreach while social distancing. Fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be great. But before we spend some time with her, let's dig into yesterday's message. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Listeners, if you haven't um, watched or listened to the message, you can find it on the Believers app, our website, Facebook, and YouTube channel. And yesterday we started a new series called Viral, Spreading Hope and Help When Life is Uncertain. And if you are a part of the Believers family, you've probably heard us talk about how far in advance we plan our series and messages. And in some ways, this series is no different. But Jamie, can you give us a little background of how we landed on this series called Viral? Yes. So depending on when you ask me, we're either six months out or, or about 12 months out on message planning, series planning. And then, uh, all like completed services about three weeks out. So uh, it would be amazing, wouldn't it, if we had planned a series called Viral six months ago. Amazing. That would be amazing. And I would love to tell you that that's exactly what happened, but that is not what happened. We actually were planning a series called The Ways of Life, and that was based on the navigation app Ways. And I... I got the idea for that series on a motorcycle adventure that I was on, and we were using Waze, and if you're familiar with the app, people in front of you down the road, they will let you know if there's a speed trap, not that I'm ever speeding, so I don't don't even pay attention to that one, but like hazards in the road, cars broken down, all that kind of stuff, and it occurred to me, if people didn't input the data to let us know what was coming down the road, that app would be completely useless. And the same thing is true in life, that people go through experiences, and if you don't share those experiences, people coming behind you will never benefit from those experiences. So this idea of the ways of life 
taking people's experiences, passing them on to other people so that they can benefit from other people's experiences, whether they're good or bad. That was the idea of the series. Um, then pandemic set in, and so we decided uh, maybe we could choose a more timely title. And so we didn't change the services, really. It's the same messages that we're using. Everything pretty much remained the same. We just packaged the series a little bit differently and called it viral. But it's the same idea. It's, uh, you know, with the pandemic, we look to other nations who experienced the pandemic before us. We learn from them lessons on how they handled it to safeguard their population, all that kind of stuff. So we uh, are benefiting from other people who've gone before us. And so it's the same idea. Uh, so we're hoping that these stories, it'll be a lot of folks from Believers who will be sharing some of their stories with us, uh, that those stories will indeed offer hope and help. And uh, bad news travels super fast. We're hoping that we can make hope and help as viral as bad news. Yeah, that sounds great. I think it's also going to be really good because we're going to be able to tailor things to um, the, our conversations around the topics to what's happening mm -hmm. with the pandemic, but it's also not pandemic-oriented, which I think if anyone's feeling like me, you just want to break enough already from that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we're going to try to do that. Yeah, so the, the theme of the series is, is pandemic, just because that's what everyone's thinking about, talking about. Um, but yeah, the topics of the series themselves are going to be very helpful and practical to because everyday life is still happening. So all these topics that we're going to talk about will speak to just regular life. Yes. So um, let's look at what we talked about yesterday. So we just celebrated Easter Sunday. And before we can talk about Easter, I think we need to talk about Good Friday. Okay. So in your message, you talked about how at the end of the day, on that Friday, the Jesus movement was over. It came to an end. Yeah. So can you teach us a little bit more about what you mean by the Jesus movement and the circumstances that brought it to its completion? Yeah, so the Jesus movement at the time was really the Messianic movement, really. Uh, Jesus had recruited his disciples and they were going around announcing that the kingdom of God was at hand. And, um, you know, everyone was anticipating the Messiah coming to deliver the nation of Israel from uh, foreign occupation. That was, that was kind of the big buzz around Jesus. And um, Jesus had something else in mind, uh, but that's what everyone was thinking. They were thinking this is a national movement. Messiah had been promised centuries prior he must be the Messiah, the signs that he's done, the miracles he's done, the, the teachings that he has. Uh, it's got to be this, this Messiah who's going to come and set them free politically is, is kind of what everyone would thought. And so when Jesus died, uh, that movement was over. And yet, um, what Jesus had in mind was not an immediate political overthrow of Rome, it was the ushering in of his kingdom, and um, with the resurrection came a, a rebirth of the movement, and it morphed, because now the movement was, um, was those who believed that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, God in the flesh, who came, and he came 
not just to set, establish his political kingdom, but to overthrow sin, to overthrow um, the, the kingdom of darkness um, and usher in this new movement of people who would be light bearers, kingdom bearers, uh, who would follow Jesus, implement the teachings of Jesus, and eventually be resurrected to new life with Jesus in this new kingdom. So, uh, yeah, as they understood it on Good Friday, the Jesus movement was over. And even for the disciples who maybe had an inkling that it was more than just the political overthrow of Rome. Uh, but even for them, it was over as far as they were concerned, because they did not foresee Jesus dying, even though Jesus told them many times right. over that he would indeed die. Yeah, yeah he sure did. Um, I think it's really neat because this time of year, every year, uh, the cable channels and all of the subscription TV services yep. just seem to be flooded with documentaries and historical investigations around the validity of who Jesus was or is. Um, can you help us understand why we can believe the biblical account of his death, life, resurrection? Just why is that? Why can we say, yeah, that, that really happened? Yeah, that's such a... I love this time of year, too, for that very reason. I, I love all the, the documentaries, and most of them are trying to poke holes in the gospel accounts, but um, the fact that there's such an effort to poke holes in the gospel accounts in and of itself is, is kind of a witness to how strong the gospel accounts really are. Right. So, uh, you know, we've spent... Uh, 2,000 years trying to undermine the Gospels, and yet they still stand. And that's pretty remarkable. And there's lots of reasons why we believe um, that the Gospels are true. And I, I don't have time to go into to all of it, but I did jot down just a couple ideas that are worth mentioning. And the first and foremost, it's just the source of who the Gospels, who wrote them. So uh, Matthew... Uh, some historians date the Gospel of Matthew to within 15 years of the resurrection. And Matthew was a disciple. He was, one, he was an eyewitness to everything that happened. And he wrote it down. So it's a first-hand account of the life of Jesus. Mark, uh, I've mentioned this in the, in the last series that we were in the test frequently. But uh, most scholars believe, while it was written by Mark, that it was dictated by Peter... And uh, we don't know exactly when Peter died, but most, most people believe that he died during the persecution that began by Nero in 64 AD when Rome burned. And so uh, that would mean that, um, you know, it had to have been written by Mark somewhere before 64 AD. So that would, that would put it within 30 years of the events of Jesus, the crucifixion and the resurrection. John, again, uh, the Gospel of John, a, a close friend of Jesus. Uh, most historians believe that was probably the latest gospel that was written. But even having said that, it, it almost had to have been written before 70 AD. And that's pretty significant just in and of itself because that still puts it, you know, 35 years, 37 years within the life of, of Jesus. Um, and the, the, uh, that date, 70 AD, is significant because that's when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. 
And that's significant because in Matthew's gospel, the 24th chapter, Jesus predicted that the temple would be destroyed, that not one stone of it would be left upon the other. And if the gospels had been written after the destruction of the temple, they certainly would have included that detail in the gospel accounts because it reinforced that Jesus was right. So if they were going to, if they were if it was written later, and even if it was written at 70, 75, 80, that's not that long after, historically speaking, they would have included that detail because it bolsters their case that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. But they didn't include that uh, event, which was of extraordinary national significance to the nation of Israel, and it wasn't included. So you have to conclude that it was written prior to that time. So even though the latest gospel written, John, was written prior to 70 AD, uh, which means that it was not that long after the events of the resurrection. Luke uh, and the book of Acts, Luke was, uh, they were both written by the same person. Luke was a historian. He was a doctor. He was a professional. He was a scholar. He interviewed eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus to come up with the gospel accounts. And then he was a companion of Paul in the book of Acts, um, and he does not record the death of Paul, also thought to be close to 64 AD. And he does not record the death of Peter, um, which is significant because he does record the death of James, the disciple of Stephen earlier in the book of Acts. Um, so it's, it's considered, it, it would have been considered very significant, the death of Peter, the death of Paul. They certainly would have been included in a documentary like the book of Acts, but they weren't, which makes you conclude that they were both written prior to their deaths, uh, which makes them young documents in relation to the events that they are writing about. So, um, you know, historically, the older or the more time passes between the event and the writing of it, the recording of it, the more room there is for falsehoods, myths, all those kinds of things to, to make their way into the literature. Um, but those were written very close to the events, not really enough time for those types of things to, to make their way in. So they become really very reliable because there were eyewitnesses when these things were written who had seen and heard of Jesus and maybe saw him crucified. And they could have put an end to, if, if none of it was true, there were enough people that could have been witnesses, testimonies to that, uh, that it could have ended. But it did not end, and it didn't end because, because it was true. And then you have um, just a couple other things that I'll mention, and then we'll drop it. But, um, but there's so much, you know. Uh, I mean, there's entire books that are written on this very subject. But, um, you know, the fact that the disciples in the Gospels are, are almost always the zeros of the story. You yes. know, they're the, they're the faithless doubters. Uh, and if they were making up the story... Uh, why wouldn't you make yourself a hero? You right. know, like that's the most logical thing is that they would be the heroes of the story, but they're not. So it's, at, you know, you have to say, well, that's got to be pretty accurate. If John writes it and, and he doesn't even, he doesn't even say, I got to the tomb and the tomb was empty and everything that Jesus said came to my mind. I was like, oh yeah, he, he lives. No, he got there. And he's like, right. oh crap. <laughs> Jesus is gone. <laughs> I know? was just listening to a podcast um, from Timothy Keller, and he was talking about that sort of same 
idea, even yeah, in the Tim description. Very much <laughs> even <same>. even <laughs> in the <laughs> description of Jesus in the Gospels, as he's like on the cross and he calls out, um, "My God, My God, why has Thou forsaken me?" He's like no other writing would put the hero of the story in this like very vulnerable vulnerable yeah. weak yeah. space so true even the prayer yeah. of jesus in gethsemane where he's crushed to the point of death under you know like he's yeah he's deeply distressed over the events that are going on well i mean if you're making it up that's not we're how not you would say that that's exactly right. right and then the last one that i'll just mention and it's it's very significant and it's the first witnesses to the the resurrected Jesus were women. Duh. Right? Uh, women weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law in that time period, and yet the disciples write them in as the first witnesses and the ones that went and told the disciples that Jesus had risen. That doesn't make any sense if they were trying to add weight to their argument, considering what was happening culturally there, where a woman couldn't even testify in a court of law, yet... They included the detail because that's how it went down. And even though, even though it may have undermined their effort, it was true. That's the way it happened. Right. And so they wrote it that way. Really fascinating. So interesting. I also think it's interesting right now that our culture kind of embraces the idea of a viral video. Like if you post anything on social media, you just, you know, it'd be so fun if it went viral. Um, I grew up with America's Funniest Home Videos. Which was pretty great. And thought it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, but like YouTube and TikTok, they just make TikTok? that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know TikTok, no, Jamie? I okay. Don't. Just don't even go there. Okay. It's a rabbit hole that you'll never get out of. Right, Ask Sam. I won't go there. Um, Sam does not need another rabbit hole to fall into. Well, that's true. <laughs> Jeez. Um, do you have a favorite video that's gone viral? <laughs> what do you think? I think the, your favorite video that's gone pseudo viral, uh -huh. we like to pretend it went viral, it is went, your McRib video. It went viral in the office. Yeah, all eight of us back then. Yeah, well, I mean, part of what made that go viral was Sam laying on the floor of the McDonald's. Yeah, that it was, was pretty disgusting. It was so gross, and yet he was like, he was a new employee at the time, yeah. so he was, he was like, trying to impress you. Whatever, boss, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, so if you um, follow Believers on Facebook, you can probably go back to our video archives and find that video. Maybe. I don't know if you can. Pastor Jamie loves the McRib. I do. So it's an ode to his love yes. of McRib. Um, Very good pork-like substance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all of this, I have a point to all of this, oh. the viral thing. Yeah. Um, do you think that we're on the verge of a new Jesus movement? or of revival, like we were talking about so many churches are posting online and sharing services and Bible studies and all this stuff right now because they're forced to. Um, but do you think that's like starting, we're going to see a new wave of revival come? I don't know. I, you know, the, the new wave, the new revival thing, that's been talked about as long as I've been a Christian, which is when I was in high school. And 
I mean, I've just not seen it. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, is there, is there the potential of it? There's always that potential. Um, you know, the, the, the thing about the, the movement of Jesus is like as it's, if you just kind of track what's happened globally, like the, the church is expanding more rapidly today than it ever has. Not in the West, typically. It's mostly South America, mostly the continent of Africa, um, parts of Asia. Europe and North America are pretty much, it's not really expanding all that much. And I think, I don't know, I, I don't want to be a cynic, but I, I'm not, a, I'm not a terribly optimistic of a great new revival in the West. I'd love to see that. Um, I'm certainly trying to do my part to make that happen. And maybe a time like this that we're in right now will cause some people to reflect a little bit more. I was, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and they were saying um, that they have uh, a friend that's, that doesn't believe in Jesus, is not a particularly person, you know, would describe themselves as a, as a person of faith. And they were saying, you know, like, despite all that's going on, they don't see any movement in that person at all. And they were discouraged by that. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone else in the conversation brought up that song um, where God is always moving even when you don't see him. He's, mm-hmm. he's working, you know. Waymaker, is that, is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah. Um, so even when you don't see it, maybe God is still, you know, working in that person's life. Sure. And I, I said to, what I said to the person was, you know, while they might not be talking about it, it's, it's hard to believe that anyone is going through the season right now, at least not reflecting on what is really most important in my right. life. Yeah. Like, even if you're not asking, well, what if, what is, you know, who is Jesus? Right. That may not be the question, but the question could be, you know, do I want to go back to life as it was? Do I need all of the things that I was mm-hmm. doing? Um, you know, this is a reset for everybody, I think. And I think everyone is evaluating on some level what's most important in their life. And God can certainly work in that. So I'm optimistic. And we do have Rochelle here, and she's going to talk about ways that we can probably get that ball moving. Yeah. So I like that. I like that, too. That's That's a a good good segue, segue. because um, every week and at the end of this podcast, we kind of give this charge to our believers, people, to go be love. And here at Believers, we have... I mean, she's arguably the best outreach director of all outreach directors ever. Right. I mean, I think. I would say this. L- let me just say this. I-, I would say she is easily in the top two outreach directors that Believer's Church has ever had. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think, think she's, she's the top. top. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do too. I'm just saying... <laughs> You know, of all two that we've had. Right. She's definitely... I wasn't saying of believers. No, I know. All of all. all. Yeah. Yes, ever. Okay. So with that... Hi, Rochelle. Oh, hey, guys. Hi, Rochelle. Hello. Hi. I didn't mean that in any way negative. I I think you're fantastic at what you're doing. Oh, man. You're so kind. Thank you. Yes. And Um, what what is this... How do we end the service? Be love? 
Yeah. Let's go be love. Let's go be love. I used to always say, let's go be the church. And then someone took it and said, we're going to be love, which is the same thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be the church, you will be love. Right. So it's good. Yeah. It's just, I didn't know when that happened. But it's it good. happened when Rochelle came. Oh, way to go, Rochelle. Oh, yeah, it's probably more catchy than what I used to say. Yeah. It's, I don't know. <laughs> it is. We, we just like it. Better. Yeah, I like it. That's fine. I like it too. <laughs> So um, you pretty much lead the way in believers being a church on the give and our efforts to be love as a church and individually. So um, what are some ways you've seen and heard of believers, families, and maybe even other churches or people that are doing that in this season, like being love? Yeah. Well, I can say that I have been completely blown away by what I have seen the response of the church be. And I've gotten a lot of inspiration globally from efforts that are happening. And so much has taken place uh, watching people be very creative in what they're doing and taking that charge to not put Jesus in a box, which I think is a challenge we've we've always been faced with. But it, I think people are really stepping up to the plate now uh, to do that and some of those ways that i've seen people be love are uh, connecting with others in individually and going outside of themselves to say you know i'm going to reach out and call this person and chat with this person and i've seen others loving their neighbors one of my favorite examples of that is uh, one of my very dear friends Brittany cook i just name dropped a little bit but uh, her family actually took toilet paper, rolls of toilet paper around and dropped it off on their neighbor's doorsteps and it had a note that said, we've got your backside, <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. That and, is brilliant. <laughs> yes. So and left their contact information, you know, to say, we're here for you. We support you. So just being able to connect with those who are in their reach. Um, yeah. I've had a lot of response from people saying, hey, I want to make a personal donation. I went grocery shopping. I know we support organizations like Oasis Social Ministry and um, other organizations like food pantries, and they want to give, and folks are really going out of their way to find out how to do that safely and how to keep themselves protected, how to protect the people they're donating to, and I think that's just been a beautiful example of be in love and stepping that game up yeah, yeah i love it really good. so i know you've also been in close communication with our local partners as well as our global partners so can you just um let us know what you've been hearing from them how we can be coming alongside them right now Yes, sure. So our partners, uh, first of all, are incredible. I feel so privileged to be the person that gets to chat with them one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, when I've reached out to all of them at the beginning of this, and we've been in communication throughout this uh, health crisis, their response, each and every one of them, was, thank you so much for remembering us but how are you guys doing? Like mm -hmm. we care about believers mm -hmm. and they wanna pray for us and really be there, have our backs like we have their back and it's so beautiful. So one of the main things that I'm hearing across the board with our partners is really prayer. And I know it sounds simple, but it's so powerful. And there's a lot of courage, I think that uh, 
that we get from each other, knowing that we're being supported in prayer, and that is their heart, is to say, if you could pray for, you know, our food supply. A lot of our global partners uh, that work with impoverished nations, you know, they they get food supply and all that kind of gets bottlenecked because of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Even if it's from organizations that are packing these this food, yep. yeah. they don't have they can't come in. They can't have the same manpower to get the food out to them. So, yep. praying that 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 keeps happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so and also not just praying, but to continue to give. So we're actually able to fund our partners still because of the generosity of believers and they are so grateful for that because they're able to um, have lockdowns at their orphanage mm -hmm. and support their community because of the generosity of folks like like us and yeah. their friends yeah and some of our local partners like the her shelter um, oasis uh, you know some of some at least what i've been hearing reading um, some of the needs that they address in our community are actually on the rise right. as people are, um, you know, as poverty kind of takes hold in, in a lot of places, frustration is rising, people are kind of stuck together, confined together. Uh, so, you know, domestic violence, um, all these kinds of things are, um, are on the rise. And so the, the need that they have is actually growing right along with mm -hmm. the, the crisis. And so, yeah, for us to be able to continue to support them financially is critical for critical. their mission yep. yes. globally and locally. Yeah, that, that reminds me of one of our partners, uh, CAPS, the Coalition Against Poverty in Suffolk. They, uh, they've reached out and said, there's nothing we can do right now um, but to continue this support and to pray because we know um, that the impact that this is going to have when people can go out again, yeah. they're going to need the assistance we give them. They help with bill assistance to bridge yeah. the gap between folks getting to homelessness. Yeah. And then also they have a night stay program that had to be cut off three weeks early. And right. so folks, they said, we hope that it warms up soon right. <laughs> because right. we had to stop our, our program early. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for sharing that stuff with us, Rochelle. And that is all the time we have for today. If you're enjoying the Made for Mondays podcast, please share. I mean, really. Please share on your social media feeds and be sure to leave us a positive rating. Also, from time to time, we'll be doing episodes that will answer your questions. You can submit questions or topic suggestions by emailing madeformondays at believerschurch.org. It's being flooded, yeah. flooded with questions. Ease up on emails yeah. for crying out loud. This is, we are dripping with sarcasm, people. So for the two of you listening to this, Nate and Molly, yeah, stop emailing thanks us. Thanks for your emails last Everyone week. else, in response to the let them come in. I thought it was an on-fire poll question. I'll tell you. Right. So anyways, the link is in our podcast notes. And we are so glad that you're listening. Thanks for being here. Let's do all we can to be love this week.